Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from the land of Israel, on the land of Israel, from the land of Israel in the Middle East, which is the spiritual superpower, the spiritual capital of the world, and on the land of Israel network, which is your capital for incredible content coming out of the land of Israel. We're going to get started with the show in just a minute. Before we do, I just uh, want to thank uh, some of the folks that have uh, helped make this show happen today. My good friend James Cost has been uh, a supporter of my work for a long time. Uh, today, he sent in a donation to make this show in memory of uh, Rose Frankel Cost. And I indeed am very moved by this. And uh, Rose, thank you for your memory. Thank you for what you did in this world. And thank you for helping us continue uh, your memory and your efforts uh, with this show at Broadcasting from Israel. And may your neshama, your soul, be plugged in, locked in, connected to the energy that's coming out of the land of Israel. You know, we, we think that the six million were murdered, were charred, were gassed, were, 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 were choked, were shot. But the truth is, is that their spirits were just, just released. That's all it really was. It was just a release of their neshama. And we could feel that incredible a surge of energy uh, that came out of the six million re- helped re- give rebirth to the Jewish people in the land of Israel and their neshamas are going to be reborn and so too Rose God bless your neshama uh, and may your neshama make an aliyah have an aliyah make an aliyah and thank you so much uh, James for honoring us with the Rose's memory for today's show uh, similarly I want to also honor the memory uh, of a good, good old friend uh, Mildred Reese who is the grandmother of my good friend Annie Orenstein, and her Hebrew name was Malka, but Yosef and Leah, and here I see her picture, such a lovely picture of a, of a great person, and uh, she too is part of the, the dedication for today's show. Thank you so much. God bless the memory of Mildred Reese. And speaking of uh, helping the show happen, I, I'm, I'm very lucky today that I'm going to be able to see the Michel family, my friends uh, Jeanette and Gabriella from Switzerland. They are regular donor, donator, don- supporters of the show in any case. And uh, they are going to be here in Hebron, so that's like a, a, another level. You know, you have people from Switzerland far away, and they're helping you, but really they're connected, and that, that's, that's really what the show is about, and that's what, you know, supporting is about. It's really about being part of the push, and the Michels are coming today to Hebron, and I'm going to be touring them. Uh, and if you want a tour of Hebron, check out hebronfund.org. We have regular tours. I took a tour today uh, for folks uh, to Hebron, so be part of that as well. I want to also thank uh, my good friends, the Farbers, uh, Bracha Chana, and, uh, and my good friend Pinchas, who I miss very much. And <clears throat> they might not be in the land of Israel, but they're always in the land of Israel. They're in something similar, a desert-like place that is about rebirth called Phoenix. The Phoenix bird is the mythical bird of, of rebirth, and it's fitting to think about Phoenix in, in, in the context of the land of Israel. That's not a Jewish myth, but still, though, you know, you could, you could definitely appreciate the idea of, of, of a rebirth. And uh, so, too, they are part of this, this effort. They really are you know, part of the rebirth of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. Thank you so much <clears throat> to my good friends, the Farbers, uh, and also Jack, who dedicates the show to Lillian, and Sarah, uh, who dedicates the show to her husband, Nathan, and their son, Moshe, and, and all the good folks out there, my good friends in, in Brooklyn, who really are, are driving around in Brooklyn, but listening to the show and, and the other shows on the Land of Israel Network, and are just there. Their feet are... Or, you know, it's as though they have sand from the land of Israel uh, in their shoes because they're like, wherever they are, they're like over there maybe, but they're always walking in the land of Israel. Today's show is very special. It deals with a lot of issues that are quite important. So please uh, plug in, tune in, buckle in, be part of it, be in and don't be out. Uh, Great stuff is uh, great spiritual truths. And the connection to this incredible time, the time is a dual great time, the time of these great holidays that we're going to talk about on the show, and of course the time of the Jewish people's return to the land of Israel. Wherever you are, you're a part of it. So without further ado, let's get going with today's Spiritual Cafe, Rabbi Mike Foyer, Yishai Fleischer, Land of Israel Network, from the Land of Israel, and you're a part of it wherever you are. So here we go. You are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Jerusalem to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom and welcome to the Land of Israel Network. Shalom and welcome to Beit Midrash Sulam Yaakov, nestled in this glorious part of Jerusalem called Nachlaot. And you know that if I'm in Beit Midrash Sulam Yaakov, I'm probably with 
Rabbi Mike Foyer on Spiritual Cafe. Rabbi Mike, shalom and welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Welcome to the Bit Midrash Attack. I feel like I haven't hanged out with you uh, in a very long time. We we saw each other briefly on Passover. That was great. Yes. A little, little few moments in the cave. And we did a little radio there. Yeah, we did. And Most I, importantly. I, yeah, people, people were uh, grateful for that. And I'm grateful that we have the chance to do that. That's really great. But in terms of a real regular sit down. It has been a while. It has been a while. I was in a, a big trip in America for Capital Tour. Then uh, I remember baking matzah and the Pesach. I was at a hotel. It's all a blur after that. It's all basically a blur. And we're all like the days after the holidays is like when you just start coming back to a real life. Like the. The Sunday after Sukkot is when you come back to life. The Sunday after, you know, any given Sunday, when you're coming back to uh, life after uh, after Pesach. But interestingly enough, Pesach, uh, there's a difference between the end of Sukkot and the end of Pesach. Big one. Right. The end of uh, Sukkot is like the rest of the year. The winter yes. comes and, and the rest of the year begins and it's like back to humdrum. Not the end of Pesach at all, at all. We're right now in an incredible season called the, the Sphira, the Omer season, the Sphira count, 49 days that we count from the second night of Passover all the way to the holiday of Shavuot. Uh, what do they call it? The tabernacle? No, no, no. no. Uh, Booths. No, 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 no. That's uh, Sukkot. Weeks. No, of yeah, weeks or uh, Pentecost. Pentecost. Pentecost, which means count 50. Um, Penta 5, right? So um, not only do we have this period, which some have likened into a long period of Chola Moed. That's the Ramban, not just some. Right, that, that, it's, a, that it's a kind of an intermediary days of, of a one long holiday between these two connected holidays, Passover and Pentecost, Pesach and Shavuot. Not only that, but this season is so full of special, special days. We just had yesterday Holocaust Memorial Day. And I want to tell you, by the way, that I took the opportunity to go with my friends at the organization called Im Tirtzu mm-hmm. to uh, Yad Vashem, the famous Holocaust Museum here in Jerusalem, for the first time in the new Yad Vashem. I had not been oh, there. Oh, you hadn't seen the new museum. I hadn't been there. It's incredible. It was really, it was really great. You know, it was, it was, uh, to say, huh? it was just, it did it. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it did it. It, it did it. Maybe the last few steps, I, I always doubt the conclusions of these places, but forget that. The, 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 it, it, it gave me something. It, uh-huh. it, it, remi- it reminded me. That's its it, purpose. Yeah, it reminded me of what happened, and it gave me a few moments of pause about, you know, really humanity and what really transpired in, in the rebirth of the state of Israel on the, on the, on the back of this thing. I, I also had some powerful experience. I was uh, privileged to teach twice yesterday. And to really uh, share the fact that in a very strange way, I love Holocaust Memorial Day. Sure. Because I feel like so often there's a darkness that underlies our history and our existence. We're, we're sitting here in the sunshine in this beautiful Beit Midrash in the rebuilt and still rebuilding Jerusalem. And it's incredible. We're walking in the sunshine. And yet I feel that without a real embrace of the darkness that still exists both within ourselves and in the world and our history, that, that it's, it's a little bit of a lie. So I feel like Holocaust Memorial Day is just like, let's look at it. Let's look, really look at what humanity is. Let's look at our history and see how we've gotten here. And let's talk about what still needs to be done. And I had Right. Some well, see, that's exactly what I meant by conclusions. Yeah. That's what I meant by conclusions. They don't liken... Uh, the for example, there was a slide about Hajamin al Husseini, who was mm-hmm. the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, yep. and it and and talks about his Nazi connections, but it never says, oh yeah, he was the instigator of the 1929 riots that killed so many in Jerusalem and 67 people and murdered 67 people in Hebron in most gruesome fashion. It's meaning to say the instigation of jihadism against Jews in Israel is a direct outcropping. Of, of Nazi ideology, which Hajamin was a was a was a was a member and a connector of, and like that connection isn't made. It's like there was the Nazis. That was a horrible thing, but it never says to you, oh, you know what? The Muslim Brotherhood they think the same exact thing. There's there's a there's a there's a relationship at least. I think that the secular state of Israel, to some degree, is incapable of reopening the the reality that no, we didn't win. I mean, the birth of the state of Israel didn't solve the challenge of the Holocaust. Because the real question is, is well, where are we going? I mean, I do believe that the state of Israel is um, potentially an answer to the darkness and evil of the Holocaust. But it really is a question of, well, where are we headed? What do we do with this? And if what we do is um, sort of make ourselves a people like any other, and in doing that, we ignore the rising tide of darkness that once again is the death cult all around us, then they, it undermines 
the very idea that the state somehow could heal the wounds of the Holocaust. <sighs> yeah, you you open up a Pandora's box there, but I don't want to go too deep into that. But I, I do want to say that you know, never again is a is a powerful ethos. It's a it's a it's a it's it's the part of Zionism that says we have arms, we have the ability to stop this darkness. And I agree with you that there's an element in our in our beloved modern state of Israel that wants to somehow close the door on that, doesn't want to take the role as this fighter of darkness. It's only kind of like when we had to. Well, if Never Again is purely self-oriented, it's just survival, like Ralph Khanna used to say, like, you'll never do that to me again. So it can't actually fight the darkness. All it can do is, is hold fast. At the same time... It, if it's this liberal progressive vision of, oh, we'll never let that happen to anyone again, it's totally meaningless because the reality is if you don't take care of yourself, you don't have solid ground on which to stand. You know, like Archimedes says, give me where to stand and, and a lever and I'll move the world. This is where we stand. But the idea that we're meant to move the world is why we're standing here. The two have to come together. And, and I'm deeply troubled, actually, by um, the fact that there's so few people I see and leaders, almost none, who are willing to hold those two pieces of vision together. This is unquestionably where we stand, but we're standing here in order to fix the world. Right, because that's a, that's, a, that's a big heavy weight to take, and also it's a little bit easier to play the victim rather than the leading role. You get a lot of flack and critique for taking a leading role. I haven't noticed a, that they love us so much as victims either. No, the, the, the question, that's a, yet another question of <laughs> how do they love us. I agree with you, and I've been arguing forever that they like us much better when we are you know, uh, strong and, and have self-respect and we don't kiss up to them. This whole kissing and then at up least business. we get to be strong and have self-respect. Right, <laughs> and if, right, if it doesn't work that they like us, at least we're strong. That's right. But but you know what? It's not the only holiday within this long, uh, certainly not th- this parade of this this, this uh, parade the of secular holidays. high holidays. Secular, yeah. Well, you know, uh, by secular, I just mean like the modern state of Israel, right. as opposed to the religious traditions. Right. So not and, that and they're lacking have, religious. And we have some of those as well in here, right? Because we also are going to have we're going to have. You're right, the, the State of Israel ones, let's call it that, let's agree to that language. We have um, Israeli Memorial Day for fallen soldiers and terror victims. We have Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Israel Independence Day. By the way, lots of folks have found um, asmachtas, uh, what's that called? Oh gosh, asmacht in English. Like, 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 like support. Supports, uh, supports uh, in the writings of the Gra about for these sure. specific dates. Then we're going to have this year a big one, Yom Yerushalayim. 50. It's going to be the 50th, and I could feel the global swelling of consciousness for this holiday. I could feel it even in my, though, my tentacles. Even though a lot of it is, is negative, the very fact that it is causing such a sensation should give pause to naysayers and say, well, why does the world care so much? Right, and you know, I, I know this is, this is a totally secular idea, but 50th is, is gold. You know, it's a golden anniversary. Jerusalem uh-huh. is a gold. There's, I don't know. There's, it's all coming together well, how here. Could, how could you say that 50, the 50th anniversary is a secular idea when we're in the middle of the Omer? Right. Very good. And very good. The number 50 is, is the completion of consciousness. Bang. Love it. That's a, that's a great point. Um, and it's also the end of it is, is, is the, uh, the, the other 50th is the Jubilee. Yes. There's, and the Jubilee is about liberation, about freedom, about blowing the, sh- the big shofar. And it's about a total change of state. It's a new world. We should be married. Amen. And and I didn't finish yet because in that we also have one of my favorite favorite holidays, a, a very under under mentioned holiday, which is Second Pesach, right? Pesach two, Pesach Redu Redux. Uh, a lot of people, I have a, a disagreement with most people in that most people like to say that it's the do over holiday. You sold me on this one, right? It's not the do over holiday. It's the we want more holiday, right? I want more from you, God. Give me. I don't. I don't. Was, they didn't need a redo. They didn't need a redo. They were like they had a pass. They had a pass. It was all due. It was all good. They got the pass that they needed. The right. grade is fine. No, no, no. I want more from you, God. I want to put on tchelit. I want to move to Israel. I want to, you know, I want to connect to, to Torah and Sulam Yaakov. Whatever it is, I, I you know, I want more. Uh, we have that holiday. We have Lag Omer, of course, big holiday. Uh, depending on who you ask this year. That's right. Depending <laughs> on who you ask. If you ask this person, uh, <laughs> it is it is a big holiday and a holiday of uh, really, I think, the return of the Jewish people to, to our ancestral culture and the return to Kabbalah and uh, the study of the inner Torah, of the Pnimiut. Um, did I miss one? No, I think you got them all. And there's Rosh Chodesh and all that. Yes. Um, and there's all this the, the incredible pageantry in all these in all these holidays. Yom Yerushalayim, can it be really considered even a secular holiday? Um, Sadly, it is not embraced so much 
in that way, which is it's heartbreaking to me because you uh, know, it's interesting. You see, I was I was going to ask you, uh, you took it exactly in the opposite direction. I was going to say to you, is it a secular holiday? Should, shouldn't we see it as religious? And you're saying it's not secular enough. Well, the, the problem is, is because of the way in which the modern state has become to look at our miraculous victory in 67 and the political complications and the cultural wars. We don't need to get into all of it right now. Um, the, and the fact that it's not a national holiday. So like kids have school and, uh, you know. It is a know, national holiday on the books, by the way. On the books. But, yeah. but functionally speaking, it's not. And, and, and so, therefore, in our communities, in the national religious community, you know, we celebrate. Say Hallel, dance, right. you know, and uh, it, but in the country as a whole, I think there's a lot of confusion. I think you're going to see a lot of confusion around it this year. Yes, yes, I like you know it's it's the the, the 50th this year is forcing the hand of the conversation. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Exactly, um, and and let us not now also get back to uh, first steps, which is basic principles, and that is that the sphera, the Omer period. Is also a period of teshuva, a period of of uh, reflection and return to right self. So, so recently, I've been very, very busy. Oh, one thing I just want to say about Yom Hashoah is that I also wish people would come to Hebron on Yom Hashoah. I wish they would come to mom and dad and cry together with mom and dad about the mm. children who were killed and that they were coming back. I just wish we had a little bit more. I always, I always cry a little bit inside that I wish we had a little bit more mom and dad consciousness. We have, we have a lot relatively in the religious world, uh, you know, God consciousness, but. A little bit of the love of, of our parents. It's interesting. Any case, uh, so I, j- I just wanted to relate one story. This is also a tshuva period, and I myself started feeling that I was a little bit, because I've been so busy lately, I thought that I may have become a little more, uh, what's it called, superficial. Mm-hmm. My Torah learning has suffered recently, and I just felt that I wasn't in the rooted Torah person that I want to be. And I decided, <laughs> duh, like, let's do a little bit more tshuva. The minute I, I thought about this idea, my wife says to me, why don't you take the bus in the mornings with my daughter, Leah, and you can get off at the Kotel, dive in at the Kotel in the mornings, and then, like, walk briskly back and do a little exercise as well to the house. Cause I, we great. Live, we, yeah, and it's great. So this, so I've been doing it. This Today was the third day. I, uh, I came to the Western Wall this morning, and I couldn't connect to the minion, the quorum that I was trying to pray with. I just... Just didn't do it for me, you know what I mean? There's a certain guy, and he does it a certain way, and it just it doesn't talk to me, you know. And for some reason, weirdly, at that time there was no other minion. And suddenly, I heard a voice in my head saying, "Ishai, you're not a slave to this minion. You're not a slave to anything. You're trying to serve God. And it's not working for you. Then get up and go. You don't have to be part of this minion." It was like a, it was like a liberty type. I was going right? to say it's a Pesach voice, right? It was like, no, I'm not locked into this. And a little voice inside my head said, "Go down to the uh, Ezrat Israel." or what I call the family kotel, or what people like to call the liberal part of the kotel, which is this extended part of the Western Wall, which now serves um, groups that want a mixed men and women kind of prayer or other things that happen there. <laughs> and I'm like, I'll pray by myself a little bit. Fine. I get down there. It's a nice place. It's a beautiful, gorgeous place, and it has the fallen uh, uh, stones stone. from the second temple. Right, and it's like, it's a little dramatic. I get there, I see people... And, and my gut already said to me, there's only nine of them. I get there, and indeed, there was only nine of them, and I was the 10th guy. I was the 10th guy. But as they started praying, as I, as I came close to them, they looked at me like, are you with us or are you against us? <laughs> you don't look like you're from around here. Right. Like, are you, are you going to make trouble for us? Oh, yeah. And I'm like... Sadly, that's... Uh... And it was, you know, what it was, what it, what it was, let me give you a simple clue. There was one guy with a big, beautiful rainbow talus, okay? And... Uh, and they looked at me, and I was like, I gave them a look like, what do you want? What? What's? And I said to them, like, what are you looking for? They're like, can you join us? I'm like, yes, I'll join you. You know, me with my gun and with my orthodox ways and all that. And, they, you know, and they started praying. And the first thing they did was they did a Shmon Esra, the, the repetition, which also added in the fa- father of Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, and Rachel, right? Right. As opposed to just... It's the hallmark of the progressive liturgy. Right. <laughs> And I was like, amen. You know, I was like, I thought to myself, there's no place in hell specifically for those people who also added the mothers into the liturgy. Uh, you know, surely not. It's, you know, okay, it's not the classic liturgy. And, you know, that's not the way I'll do it tomorrow either. But, uh, but okay. You know what I mean? And I thought to myself, I just got to send them a little bit of love. I also needed to say Kaddish. That's the part of the story. So I was the 10th guy. I said, good, I'll say Kaddish with them. As I said Kaddish, I could feel a little, 
the crowd was a little, there was some kind of tension in the crowd. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> anyway, we finished praying. They all kind of say thank you to me. And I think I caught that one of the people in the quorum was a lady. <laughs> so I'm not sure. We had, you know, 10 men. Uh, uh, I think it was uh, it was nine men, you know, and a lady. Uh, that one will get sorted out somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I thought to myself, I thought if anybody would ask me, nobody asked me anything, but I, I, thought to, I, I was going to tell them, you know, guys, you know, in my army unit, we're preparing to fight with the 200,000 rockets in southern Lebanon. I'm not here to, like, make a little fight with you now about, you're Jews, you came to the Western Wall to pray, you've got tefillin on, you don't do it my way, and I may disagree even with, with some fundamentals of philosophy, but I'm not going to make a fight with you, brothers and sisters. We're, we're, we're here to have a little bit of love. This is a very important perspective, because the ability to hold fast to your vision. Say, no, I actually believe I'm right, and I might even go as far as say I think you guys are wrong, but that that doesn't mean I have to enter into conflict unless it's constructive conflict meaning in a different context if they'd sat down and said let's talk about whether which way you think it's right which one, that's that's different that's a different story but here you have people they, in the end of the day what do they want to do they want to pray they want to connect to god by the way the rest of their liturgy was totally normal was yeah. to, was totally what traditional. The ortho, traditional what the orthodox people yeah. would say except for they added the, the 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 women you know i'm always telling people i'm saying i always say to people don't call it the cave of the patriarchs minimally call it cave of the of the patriarchs and matriarchs minimally right i don't even like that so much but i'm, I'm always reminding people about the about the mamas again i'm not going to change the liturgy but a little bit of love okay but but my story keeps going next thing i did today was that i went to breakfast with an arab uh-huh this Arab lives, I'm not going to mention his name, obviously, because he's under danger all the time. He lives in, uh, in under the Palestinian Authority. He doesn't have an Israeli green card mm-hmm. or blue card in this case. Um, and uh, he detests the jihad. He detests the Islamification around him. Mm-hmm. He lives there because he doesn't want to uh, leave his mother. Mm-hmm. He wants to help Israel somehow. He wants to connect to Israel. Uh, he's been involved in some interfaith dialogues. He's been dragged into the Palestinian Authority investigations. Thank God, not more than that, because other friends of his uh, have been tortured uh, and worse. And um, and um, I I sat with a man today who I live in South Korea and he lives in North Korea. Mm. Like I have freedom to say whatever I want. I could say screw the state of Israel. And I think the Torah's bunk. God right. forbid. I say whatever I want. They might elect you to Knesset. it. That's right. And uh, and he can't say anything. None of his family knows of what he really thinks. None of his he 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 lives a different life. He mm. lives a life of fear, and he can't leave for various reasons. And it just was like, and he wants to help Israel. He believes in Israel. He be, he believe, and I'm going to help him help Israel. Um, and and we have to concern for his safety and other things. But my point to you is is that like uh, that that was. Um, a person I sat with today, and I, I think there was a moment where, where he had a tear in his eye and I had a tear in my eye to see what a fellow human being is going through right across, literally, you know, close to, to where I'm at, okay? And, and yet he's unable to, uh, to, to live a normal life. And yet what courage he has to come and meet me and, and find a way to, yes, help Israel and to connect with good energies in the, in the world and fight. And he literally told me, I want to fight terror. I want to fight the jihad. I, I, want, to, I, want, I want to help you know, the good energy in this world. It's, a, it's a, a really frightening thought, the image of you living in South Korea and he living in North. And it actually, I understand that how it's a direct outgrowth of your earlier story because we as Am Yisrael have very strong beliefs. You and I in particular, I'd say, in the, in the rainbow, if you will, of opinions out there in Am Yisrael, we tend to hold stronger ones. And yet, in our core, we understand that the obligation of Am Yisrael is to create a space in the world where human beings can be human beings. Even those we disagree with, as long as it's machloket l'shem shamayim, as long as our disagreement is really ultimately for the sake of God, then the space that that disagreement creates is, is a holy space. And, and this is a person who's being subjected to the exact opposite, that in the name of God, right, they, their humanity is being taken. And, and that should be a wake-up call for the world. I don't really often just don't get it. We've had this discussion so many times. 
don't get how the world doesn't simply look at what's happening in the in the phase that Islam has taken in the world and say, okay, this this we don't have space. That's for. what he says. He keeps saying that to me. He's like, people accuse Israel of of of, of trying to to live in this land. This is their land. But they don't accuse anybody. Uh, they don't accuse the Saudi regime of taking over. You know, one family being completely, you know, in control the of this country land. country in the world named after a family. Right. They did literally took it over, and he kept and he listed every like like Arab dictatorship and regime and the theft and this and that. He's like nobody says anything to them. I don't know, man. It was it was like a whole lot of truth, and he and he literally reached out for help. Smart man, a good man, and and I, I and if it wasn't for the fact that his mother lives here. He would be long gone in America and doing fine, but I think he also wants to somehow. Well, he's also from here. I can't yeah, imagine that he it said would be, that. Yeah, where are you going to go? This is where he's from. Right. Okay. So that that was the so so this morning started with a liberal minion, uh, which which maybe wasn't uh, you know a, a regular quorum. It's called a special session, <laughs> and then and then afterwards a, a special breakfast with a with a special you know neighbor. Uh, so that's in the land of Israel. Uh, now let's get to, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show, Land of Israel Network, landofisrael.com. My email is yishai at thelandofisrael.com. Rabbi Mike Foyer also has a show that he works very hard at producing uh, here uh, on this wonderful network, uh, and that show is called The Jewish Story. And you have a great show coming out this week about the Crusades. That's right. I mean, it was a really intense experience that yesterday on, on Holocaust Memorial Day when I recorded the show, I was speaking about the destruction of the communities in the Rhineland, in the heart of Germany, as the siren went off to mark Holocaust. I had to hit pause on the recorder and stand silently for two minutes. And uh, the sense that there was a thousand-year continuity between what had happened in the uh, 11th century and where I was sitting now was very, very intense. That's awesome. Uh, And, of course, the Holocaust also has roots in some of the ideas uh, of those Middle Ages ideas, uh, where where the, the the Jew is the source of the plague, the Jew is uh, somehow um, uh, this this leech, this dark energy, this bad thing that's that's amongst us that we have to excise him. Uh, but but what the tour guide told us at, at Yad Vashem, he said to us, but but at least in, in Catholicism and Christianity, the Jew also had a certain place because of the doctrine of the witness, because he was supposed yeah. to like be around somewhere. So you didn't you didn't want to like totally you know. Well, it wasn't really the official church, certainly not in the Crusades, but even in the Middle Ages, it was never really the official church entity that that, that wholesale persecuted the Jews. It was the mob, and, and, and often on a very sort of bastardized Christian ideology, but uh, it, particularly in the Crusades, the church, after the First Crusade and they saw what was happening, worked to prevent the destruction of the Jewish communities, often, sadly, unsuccessfully. But You know, I saw pictures from Romania... For some reason, some of the pictures from Romania of Jews like de- lying dead in the streets was just some of the most gruesome and kind of like... That's where my family saw from. It was just like, what the heck? It was just like, you know, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of... Um, it's indigestible. It's indigestible. It's indigestible. It's indigestible. I don't know. For, and actually, for me, it's pretty digestible. I well, guess it comes... You're a Jew. I, was, I was speaking yeah. with this Brazilian student yesterday when I was teaching. She said to me, you know, Brazil is a Catholic country, very few Jews. Right. And she said, that she was speaking to a colleague when she was a- in... And a country, a, by the way, that's suffering right now and kind of in a down... Uh, for de- sure. ...degradation of a, of a for country. For sure. And she said that one of her colleagues, they were waiting for a bus, and, and who didn't know that she was Jewish, um, almost apropos of nothing, said, you know, there are a few things in history that have just been forced on us that clearly can't be true. And she said, well, like what? He said, well, for instance, the Holocaust. And she, being a Jew, was quite shocked. And what did he mean? He says, how is it possible that such a thing actually happened? And, it's, and that's a very... And he, she felt like it wasn't an expression of hatred of Jews. It was actually a relatively rational human being saying, like, I, I, like, I don't think that such a thing could really happen. And because we're that's Jews... That's a little weird. I mean, there's been... You know, the Hootsies and the Tootsies of, of Rwanda, you know, it's, uh, you, you, it's not the, so... What makes the Holocaust unique, and I think different even than what happened in Rwanda, is is the systematic, right. scientific... Mechanization. Mechanization. And the scale of it. Right. You know, and, and um, furthermore, the thing that people don't like to admit anymore, although they used to say all the time, in the heart of cultured Europe. The, the cultured Europe. Yes. The, 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 the center of culture, yeah, the, right. The, the heart of it. Right. Um, and, and it's important. I, I don't say this for nothing because the reality is we are the last generation will, who will be able to speak face to face with the survivors and and what we need to begin to do is to teach humanity that such evil 
actually does happen. Look around us. We're in this region. It's swirling around us ever more fiercely day by day. And and I took a I took a photo um of um of 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 a of a picture that I saw there at Yad Vashem that I wanted to read to you. And it said the most the most incredible thing. It said the planners and executors of the final solution were the Germans, Austrians and their collaborators amongst the conquered peoples, especially from Ukraine and the Baltic countries. Most of the murderers were members of the SS whose officers were predominantly young men in their 30s. Two-thirds had attended university, and of whom about half had doctorates in law, economics, political science, or philosophy. In joining the SS, they saw themselves as the elite of the Aryan race. They operated with a sense of historic mission to change humanity and create a new world order based on Nazi principles. Their motivation for participating voluntarily in the extermination of the Jews was ideological. Alongside the SS units, German police and military units also participated in the final solution. So it was, it was, it was, it was an elite. It was the Harvards, and and it made sense to them. That's the most frightening element in that. Meaning the sort of uh, the Ukrainian, you know, and uh, Cossack sort of like Jew hatred, the old-fashioned. Oh yeah, that was as old as humanity. But the the Chiddush, the innovation here was that no, this is a good idea. We've thought it out, we've systematized it, and now we're going to put it into action. All right, let's shift gears here. Something and more uh, happy. Right. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, let's talk about a different kind of systematization, which is uh, God's idea of how uh, we can purify ourselves. Um, and that is through, uh, first thing, sins that are hard to purify, which are, for example, uh, speaking slanderous speech. It's yeah. very hard to purify that. You know, you, you, you let it out. It's hard to put the put the thing back in. You can't take words back. Right. I remember one time we toured the CIA. I was at APAC, mm-hmm. and we toured the CIA at Langley, and uh, and and there were posters everywhere, which had a little cat, cute little cat, coming out of a brown paper bag, and it said, "Don't let the cat out of the bag." Literally at oh, CIA, gosh. and it was you know. But the 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 point of the cat out of the bag is like you let it out. It's not going back in. Yeah. You know, and that's that's true. You know, at secrets, but that's true also at, you know, thoughts and, and, and things that you say slanderously. And uh, God gave us an incredible gift, and that is a disease called sarat, which, by the way, the modern word psoriasis comes from. And, and that idea is that you will be stricken. As something that is kind of internal, you will be stricken externally. The thing that you kind of kept uh, behind closed doors, told your wife some kind of negative uh, thing about another person, that will become externalized on your on your person, and now you will also have the great gift of being able to start to the process of of healing it, fixing it, uh, uh, dealing with it, and and it's it's like a kind of gift, like like you know the, the, a, a hidden thing became visible to you. Now you see it, and, and and you can now deal with it. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, it's not just um, a a punishment for the wrong which has been done, and therefore an opportunity to to repent. It's also a revelation of the fact that m- people very rarely say evil things about each other if it's not sourced in some stain within themselves, right? Like the, the, we, we judge the world according to the measure of our own being, right? When I look at people and I say, oh, that guy's shady or this guy's, you know, uh, arrogant or, or this one, et cetera, et cetera, it's often a cause to give pause and say, whoa, wait a minute. What is it that's bothering me about myself that's causing it? to reflect in the actions of another person. So the the um the tsarat is really a revelation of a stain which I already have. In the same way as the letting out the words of of slander or evil speech in general are as well. And the difference as you said is now it's unavoidable. It becomes a public affair. Right. And I'm going to be taken away from my home outside of the camp. There's going to ultimately be a, a very dramatic process by which I can purify. But the most important thing is what basically God says, I want you to go sit out there. It's the original timeout. Mm-hmm. God says, I want you to go sit out there by yourself. Right? The, the commentators make the point of saying that, that when the person with Sarat is sent out of the camp because of their impurity, even if there's 20 guys with Sarat, they all sit alone. There's no like Sarat club. Right. They, you know, each one sits alone. Although, although in history, there used to be 
these um, leper colonies. Leper colonies. They're here in Jerusalem. Sure. Right, right. What was that about? Uh, well, that's just a, a, the social reality of not having a camp in the wilderness, but rather having you know a, a larger human collective. Is that is that you got to just send them out to die in the wilderness? You put them in a place where nobody can encounter them, right? Because of the fear of disease. I mean, that uh, that's a, a fairly old fear. But here, what I'm speaking about is is that the the this is one of the greatest expressions of the Torah's model that um, the purpose of all divine judgment is restorative and not punitive. This is not punishment in the sense Let, that... Let's, let's highlight that again. Say yeah, that again. It, the, the purpose of all divine punishment is restorative and not punitive. Mm-hmm. The goal is not simply, you did wrong, I'm going <clears> to <throat> whack you. Well, there are, there are moments... Well, this be punitive, right? No, I think everything ultimately is restorative because our belief is that the soul mm-hmm. is what matters, even the death penalty. Right. Right. The goal is that one should repent and then right. sometimes still die. And I was looking in my head for a uh, an example of punitive, and I was thinking to myself, well, you know, the destruction of Egypt, and yet immediately came to my head that Pharaoh later becomes uh, the king, the king of, of Ninveh, and he gets a chance to... So Fix then, it up. I mean, in, in, in the narrative portion, I think you could make a, a better argument, but I was more speaking about in law. I mean, the way the... the, the but even for the teams, enemies? I'm not, so that's what I'm not sure. But right. In the narrative, meaning, let's say, klapechutz toward the, the rest of the world, I'm not sure. We'd have to look case by case. Um, but certainly in the way God teaches us law. I mean, it's always been fascinating to me that there is no jail in the Torah. Right. And people often think of corporal punishment, you know, physical punishment plays a very large role in the Torah. Lashes... For all kinds of stuff, death. People say that's inhuman. It's barbaric. Oh yeah, it's is it any more inhuman or barbaric than locking someone up in a small cell for twenty years, and then letting them out and claiming you've you've now done your what's it, what we call you paid your debt to society. You're you rehabilitated. Know, you rehabilitated, right? We've completely destroyed you and removed you from society, as opposed to trying to encounter the source of the wrong, right it, and moving on. It's a very different orientation. Right. Well, an interesting uh, person who suffered psoriasis, suffered psoriasis, suffered psoriasis, uh, in the in the in the biblical sense is Messiah, Mashiach himself. The Talmud identifies. I, I found. I got an email today from uh, somebody sent me to Daily Light Points. I think it's a Chabad thing. Out of nowhere, I looked at it today in preparation for today's show, and it said. Accordingly, we can understand why the Talmud identifies Mashiach as someone who suffers from tzaras. Mashiach's condition reflects the collective state of the Jewish people in the final days of our exile. Over the generations, the Jewish nation has been effectively refined, both in body and in soul. Any remaining imperfections are largely only external. Therefore, in the final days before redemption, Mashiach, the collective soul of the Jewish people, is comparable to a metzorah, to a person who's got... Uh, Tzarat, whose deficiencies are only slight and superficial. It's only a matter of moments until we can perfect even these final details and merit the complete and final redemption. What do you think about that? Let it be soon, let it be now. Right, like, like, like it's, it, it's a different take that, that, uh, that, the, that the Alter Rebbe, the, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe says, like it actually shows a kind of like, it's like a last step in, in perfecting. I hear it because what it is is it's a pushing of the problem to the surface. I mean, as you said, right, problems that stay within that are hidden, truth is, can never be solved. It's the, the very public nature of tzarat is what makes it a gift, right? Because if God didn't send it, these diseases, the inner infection, so to speak, would remain. What I'm thinking about is um, the reality there. I mean, it's, it's it, I want I want to believe it's true. I want to believe that the last two thousand years of of suffering and trial and exile have brought us to that point. And I wonder sometimes if I have enough faith in Am Yisrael. Oh come on! No, <laughs> I, I, I I'm I'm being serious. It's the, one of the challenges there is is how do we define that sense of refinement? I mean, what what what's the standard of measure? If you're going to tell me the standard of measure is toward mitzvot, it's a tough sell right now. If you're going to tell me that standard of measure is is um is uh, Rachmanut and a care for humanity? Then I can, then I can, I can, I yeah, can go I, with you. I don't, there. you know, I don't know what the standard of measure is. I know that I could feel that Israel is a light. It's really a light for the world, it, uh, you know. And and we can, you know, drill it down to which characteristic trait. I could just sense it. I was in Tel Aviv the other day. Uh, I think I mentioned it on, on last week's show. We we had a bike tour. Me and my wife for her birthday mm. with a tour guide. Four hours in Tel Aviv on bikes. What a bicycle friendly city, Chavales! One you can't yeah. believe how beautifully it's been done. And uh, and and it just I don't know. It just felt like a fabulous thing. And today when I when I had this Arab friend of mine. 
um, with me in the in the first train station at uh, the the first station here in, 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 in Jerusalem and he just looked around and he was like it's so beautiful it's so it's it's got such a, a, a you know yes, yes. and and I was just like thinking about him and where he's surrounded you know the surroundings of, of his area and I'm like Israel's a light you know Israel Israel's got a light to give to the world it's a light of creativity in part uh, it's also a light of, of of a general the ability to think inside to to, to Refine your characteristic traits to yearn towards God. Jerusalem is a city that looks towards the heavens all the time. You can just feel it. And um, now I think I think Israel has got something amazing uh, to give right now. Speaking of Israel, um, this the second part of the Torah portion today. It's actually two Torah portions combined. Is one where not the human is afflicted with sarat, but the house, the house, the house is the stones of the house is has an affliction, and. And um, it says that this only happens when the Jewish people come into the land of Israel. You'll come into your house, and suddenly your house will be diseased. It will be sickened. And you're going to have to remove these the sickened stones, and the house will be corn. Spiritual cor- mold. Spiritual mold. you got some spiritual mold on your house. And just like mold, it's got two sides, right? Mold on the one hand is bad for your health, very bad for your health, and it can get you lung disease and all kinds of stuff. But it's also got penicillin potentially, right? There you go. Uh, and, and there's many strands of penicillin, by the way, I learned. Anyway, so uh, uh, some of them are used in cheese. You know, when my wife and I go to a hotel, we watch some TV. She loves like the, the we, we both love the Discovery Channels, History Channels. So we watch like the making of the weird making of cheeses. Cheese? Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> they're like putting mold into the cheese. Mm, delicious. Anyway, so uh, in this case, what happens is, is that uh, uh, there's mold, spiritual mold on your house. And Rashi tells us, guess what? This is good news. Because what happened was is that the the previous peoples hid treasures in the walls. They hid treasures in the walls. And now the house is kind of showing you, dig me out this part of the wall. This disease part actually behind it is is a great treasure for you. I think this is really more of a parable for life, which is that the hardships that we face, the challenges, and certainly the challenges of Eretz Yisrael, come with them as tremendous spiritual gifts. And when we overcome these challenges, when we work through these challenges, and they are challenges, they, they really, they stink sometimes, you know? You really are going to have to wreck part of your house, and it's really going to be a real pain, you know? We say, yesh bracha makah, right? There's a bracha in every blow. Um, and, I, and I think what's critical about understanding that is it's not mechanistic. It's not that... Um, even though the way the Torah presents this is that basically there was something there you didn't know about and don't be nervous because when you have to wreck the wall, you'll find gold coins. That's nice. But I think that the real message there is that, that you have to make the gold. I mean, that it's, it's a matter of how you look at the things which happen to you. Someone who receives the blows of life, and they're always happening. There's just no way around it. Someone who receives them and, and says these are just blows. It just blows. There's no blessing in this. We'll never see the blessing. Right. Right. You know, it, it, it is. It is. This is what Reb Shlomo calls Mashiach eyes. It's. It's a. It's a messianic way of seeing the world. Of assuming that everything God sends to you is not everything is good. That everything is for your good. Right. Right. And therefore, you have the capacity to make it into a blessing. But that takes two things. It takes a tremendous commitment to the reality of God's presence in your life. Right, which is why we're speaking about in this biblical portion the blessing of all these. It's very strange. It's repeatedly there's a disease and, and your clothes are going to rot and you're going to get these strange patches in your hair and, and, and the mold, spiritual mold in your house. And by the way, this is all a big blessing. So that's strange. Why? Because God cares. Because God is showing you in your life that he's there. So we don't live on that level. But nevertheless, we still have the second element, which is the capacity to receive everything which happens to us as a double indication, as one, that God acts in my life, and as two, I am capable of taking anything and transforming it into a blessing. And But it's specifically linked also to the land of Israel. This one in particular, yes. And I think you're correct in that um, it's very easy, the difficulties. You know, um, I, I read a, a really astounding statement by... Uh, by Rav, uh, Rav Amital, who was one of the, the founders of the Haaretzion Yeshiva. It was a great Talmud Chacham of the last generation, passed away not actually so long ago, um, and also a Holocaust survivor. So he, he said something which on one hand really spoke to me, on the other hand uh, a little bit broke my heart and gave me some insight into the sort of very left-wing political stance he took toward the end of his life, which was he says he remembers it, that never in his life did he say the blessing, Shalom Asani Goy, like he did during the Holocaust. 
He never said the blessing like that. Thank God you did not make me a non-Jew the way he did in the Holocaust. Why? He said because then it was clear to him that in the world there are murderers and there are murdered, and I'm thanking God that I'm amongst the murdered. Yeah, which I understand because what he's saying is that that um, that he would rather lose his life than destroy his soul. The the problem with that is that it is essentially that's the blessing of exile. You know, on some level, coming back to the land of Israel, it's a mistake for us to be walking around. I'm not telling you to change the liturgy, apropos our earlier conversation. But it's a mistake for us to be walking around saying, We should say, right? I'm thanking God that he made me Am Yisrael. With all of the complexity, you know what? Sometimes we are on the power end of the equation. I'm getting into whether we're murderers or not. It's not my point. My point is, is that our sense of morality is not to be found in always being the victim. And the blessing of disempowerment. Our our sense needs to be found in the sense of empowerment and embodiment as Am Yisrael. And that comes with real moral complexities, which are blows. And yet it's a huge blessing. It's a huge blessing to, to have the challenges of what it is to have an army and, and a police force and, and an economy and, and all these things, which, which, you know, there are people who long for, oh, but, you know, when the non-Jews took care of everything, they got their hands dirty and we stayed spiritually clean. Right, right. Right, but th- there's there's no real blessing in that. Right. Yeah, there's some people who want to stay so spiritually clean that they don't also want to have an army. They don't want to have to deal with, with the challenges of a modern state. Yeah. And, but that actually lends them into the hands of the unclean. You know, well, it, it empowers the unclean. Right, it, it empowers it, the unclean. That's what they don't understand. It, so like, but that's what, it's a different stance, meaning even though it's a strange thing to say, I think that we should be saying, Shasani Yisrael. Let's take some agency. Are you changing the liturgy? No, I'm not. Okay. Were, were you changing the liturgy when you, no. ad, when you advocated blessing I, the mothers? No, I, I didn't advocate that. <laughs> no, I'm not advocating was, either. I'm just, just saying like that, 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 that something has shifted. Right. Something has shifted and, and, and our identity. And by the way, it also helps in terms of, it's very different when you're living amongst the Cossacks to define yourself by what you're not. Right. I'm not those Cossacks. But, but, uh, but that stance in... No, it's, when, you mean it's easy to do that? But it's not only easy, but it's different. Meaning the, the, the well, morality the of it is walls. very clear. But it's right. very clear. It's right. like when when Amital said, who's going to argue with that bracha? Who's going to argue with it? Right. Today, the reality is that, that there are amazing non-Jews as individuals, as nations, all over the world. Right. And the truth is, in some ways, I hesitate to say it, in some ways, they're ahead of us. Right, and so like, well, well you just you're just saying up ah, to the goyim. I'm glad I'm not them. That's not what it's about anymore. You have to figure out what it is to be you now, and and and, and we and, and God made us who we are, and it opens up a whole different nature of relationship to the non-Jewish world as well. When I say the blessing Shalos Sani Goy that didn't make me a Gentile, what I'm generally referring to, in my, in, in, I'm talking specifically me. Mm-hmm. The way I think about it is. The more the, the the goy side, the Gentile side, is more what I think about the the physical body, the physical soul, and I say who who basically lets me have a certain power to capture that physical soul and and to sublimate it and make it submit to the higher will, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes, let's say I catch myself looking at something that I'm not supposed to look at, so I'll say to myself, Shilasani goy, like I'm not supposed to be that which is more closer to kind of animalistic way, and I've got to be put my Jewish side, i.e. my more Torah side, my more godly head, on that body and let the rider control, you know, the, 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 horse. the horse and be a little bit more on top of it. And I, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings here, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm certainly not trying to. I'm just trying to say, you it's know... It's a metaphorical relationship. Right. It's a, I, I think of it in purely literal sense when I say it. And people who aren't aware should understand right. that these are things that get said every single morning. Right. Right. And not only every single morning, it's part of the construction of consciousness, which is really the process of prayer in the morning. And, and when I say it, I specifically focus on the fact that it's in the negative. Because what God has done is clear the space for me to really be a Jew. So like God said, okay, I'm not going to do it for you, but I'm opening up that space. Now, are you a Jew today or not? That's, that's the way it seems to me. Um, also, something I wanted to comment on, something you said earlier about, about uh, the Holocaust and this idea that, that, that I'm not of the murderers, I'm of the murdered. Uh, Elie Wiesel said also an amazing phrase. He said, there were many types of Jews that were part of the Judenrat, part of the kind of uh, collaborators with the Nazis. He goes, there were, there were carpenters and police officers and lawyers and doctors, but there were no rabbis. 
he just had that phrase, hmm. and it was a phrase that he gave from his experience. Not, not it wasn't, it wasn't a, a theoretical right. idea. I thought that was very powerful, and I remember when I was getting married in Hebron uh, in two thousand and two, that everybody told me, "Don't do it," except for every rabbi. Every rabbi was like, "Yes, do good it. idea." Uh, you know, and it was like, I was like weird. It was like weird, and and I understood that rabbis were. You know, and of course we, you know, we see the faults of rabbis sometimes here and there. But generally speaking, I was very amazed by their different take and their different uh, connection to things. It's a commitment to a different framework of value. One more thing is that uh, you said that you know, living in the exile, we're going to say Shalom Sanegoy that didn't make me a Gentile. When we're in the land, you know, that maybe that you made me a Jew, you made me an Israeli, an Israelite, whatever. I, I tell people all the time in the exile, in general, I told even just my mom, who thank God has moved here recently. Teretz Israel has made Aliyah. You know, we have a commandment to, more like an injunction to leave a part of the house unfinished. Basically like a foot by foot uh, little part in the house that's, that's raw. Uh, raw, unpainted. And that's because it's not completed. Just like God's house is not completed, so too our own houses should not be totally completed. But I tell people that that is uh, the law. And, it's, and you have to do that. But that's also, in a sense, a little bit exilic, part of the exile. Like, yes, you should absolutely leave a part of your house barren, but add to your house a beautiful picture of Eretz Yisrael. Like, add a beautiful picture of Jerusalem. Today, it's not enough to say, oh, we don't have it. Today, it's, you got to also say, wow, thank you, God, for what we do have. You know, like, there's, there's a Yom Zikaron and there's a Yom Atzma'ut. Like, you got to have in your house, like, a little bit of Zikaron and a little bit of Atzma'ut. So we live in a time of transition. And, and it's always so astounding and inspiring to me that the transition we're in in the Jewish calendar, in the classic calendar right now between Pesach and Shavuot, between, you know, Passover and Pentecost, um, is... Is uh, it's a built-in transition? This idea of counting each day, of of constructing, and we should you know probably take a minute momentarily to actually talk about what that counting is. But it's it's amazing to me that within that time period, the the process-oriented holidays of the modern state of Israel have come. The Holocaust. What are we doing with that? Right now, we're just holding it. We haven't even begun to touch how we're going to make it truly part of who we are. You know, Yom, Yom HaZikaron, Memorial Day, is, is, is not a time of, uh, of uh, you know, parades and, and memories of World War II here. It's a time of friends and brothers and fathers and sons um, and ongoing sacrifice. Yom HaZikaron, listen. It, this it, this it, Yom HaZikaron will remember many people that were murdered this year. Yes. They were murdered this year. For sure. And, and, and But these are all... Independence Day is the same way. Where are we going? It's a live question in this country, and I think it's a good question, right? And these are all process holidays. You see it? They're not about the end. Even Yom Yerushalayim, one of the reasons I think Yom Yerushalayim, it's not really been internalized in the full sense in in, in sort of the Israeli society, is because to internalize Yom Yerushalayim in the full sense is to build the Beit HaMikdash. That's right. It's a big, it's a big fat boom. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, not a simple thing. No, and and and, and today the, the you know the vacuum that has been created has created uh, that that people have not been able to fully swallow the opportunities of the six day war. What is Yom Yerushalayim but the recognition of the miracles of the six day war and the the return to Jerusalem reunification? It's like a big boom. Yeah, and and the way people have come to understand it partially and sadly is this is the beginnings of our problems yes this is when the occupation began and and the whole thing you created a, a dark narrative well but you understand it makes perfect sense because the reality is the 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 secular momentum that built the state of israel was was driven by the desire to be a nation amongst the nations and the in the victory of 67 the truly miraculous events and basically said yeah that's not what's happening here, people. So, so that either is a, a, an amazing gift or it's a big problem. I really do believe that the Six Day War was one of the most, was the most powerful theological challenge for Christians, for Muslims, and for Jews. Sure. It was a tremendous... It reset the board. Reset the board or didn't. Meaning to say there are a lot of people trying to return the board without that but reset. It reset the board and it's time. People trying to reframe it and push it back. I get it. But, right, like, but um, the reality of what happened in that yeah. moment or those what few a, days. What a, what, a, what a tremendous challenge. And it's a tremendous challenge for us to, who also recognize it. Yeah, like what do you do with that? Right. Like, uh, or, or, or how can we master it? How yeah. could we utilize it and is that window closing or is it still open and and the question is just just as much for us it's important to note 
that people like my parents who were listening to radio under covers, literally under physical blankets and in basements in the Soviet Union who heard uh, the voice of America and the voice of Israel and heard about what had happened in the Six-Day War were awakened, awakened as Jews, as humans, as proud people, were literally, like they were sleeper cells. And they were just like, their consciousness was just like, we are, we are. I'll tell you something. And, 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 and by the way, the number one year of American Aliyah, little known fact, is 1969. Oh, I believe it. 1969. It took, to, uh, to, it, it to, took a little, you know, the clicks, you know. Were, it was also not so easy to get here. It wasn't the, easy the, to get here. It was over 5,000 people well, that came from America. Today, by the way, the average is around 2,000 people a year. So it was a big, you know, from, from America. I mean, that's nothing compared to the millions that came, million that came from the Soviet Union. But my point is, is it was such a, a wave, such a revelation. Rabbi Bravin of my Rosh Hashiva told me, he was here in 69, he was already teaching Torah, um, and he told me that it was an incredible experience that these Americans just started to show up in the Beit Midrash, not just right. coming to Israel, not just right. coming to Jerusalem, people who knew nothing, who, who had never learned text, they weren't religious, just showing up saying, I, I, there's something here. And he said, you've never seen, he said, it was like they were trying to learn Chinese. These guys were making Day like night, night like day, sitting with multiple dictionaries, just literally breaking their teeth. And and when you would ask them why, they, they didn't really know. Right. They just knew that, that this is what had to happen. Because there was because there was a nuclear bomb, and yeah. that nuclear bomb, uh, it's it's the radiation, wave. the shockwave, and then the radiation, all that was just. But it was it was all holy light, and yeah. it was just like it's still it's still here, oh, it still yeah. radiates. But you but you but you know you gotta kind of have to have to tune in. All right, Rabbi Mike Foyer, Spiritual Cafe. Today's show is dedicated. Uh, to my good friends Pinchas and Chana Bracha Farber out in, uh, in uh, Phoenix. I love those folks very much, and I really wish that they were uh, closer. I was closer to them. They were closer to me, uh, closer to us. Uh, they're just fabulous people who, whose neshama uh, is in Eretz Yisrael. I want to thank you so much, and thank you so much for your donation to help make this show uh, happen. And we do send you lots of blessings and love here from Yerushalayim Yerakodesh, from Hebron Yerakodesh. I also want to uh, ask everybody to uh, do me a little favor. There's a lot of podcast competition out there in the world. Uh, go to your favorite podcast, and hopefully uh, this one, and Rabbi Mike's is amongst them. You know, star them, rate them a little bit on iTunes and other places. Help other people re- you know, recognize the work that we're doing here, and that helps spread it out. Um, what else? I uh, just wanted to announce that I'm going to be this Shabbat at, Beit Mij- at not Beit Midrash Sulam where I am now, but rather Lev HaTorah, great yeshiva in, in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Awesome. And for Shavuot, very surprisingly for me, I'm going to be in Livingston, New Jersey at Suburban Torah Center. So make your plans to come for Shavuot to Livingston from wherever you are. Um, right. Uh, my email is yishatthelandofisrael.com. Yours is? You can just reach me at Rav Mike on Facebook. Rav Mike at Facebook. That's fine. That's easiest, fine. Yeah, ch- way. choose your choose your uh, your channels. That's absolutely right. I also want to uh, thank our, our our good friend Shmuel Goldman, who's been sitting in today uh, on our show and is a a, a friend and a listener uh, and a friend. Uh, thank you very and much, Shmuel. And a moral Mo. support. And a moral support and a backbone of uh, of uh, human the consciousness. Show, human consciousness and also of the Golan Heights. Of the Golan Heights. The Golan Heights holding out the fort, which was also, by the way, P.S. And not enough is said about the return of the Golan Heights uh, and the Sinai, the Gaza Strip, and these, these other parts of the land of Israel to the Jewish hands. And thank God the, the Golanese are still holding on to it strongly. Uh, what else? I feel like there's one more piece of information that I got I to gotta put out there. I got to put out there. Gosh, I don't remember. In any case, uh, I want to bless everybody out there uh, for continued strength please like plug into the Sephira. even if you're even if you miss the full count doesn't matter count without a blessing count just to count you know like like count the days count the days till Shavuot and every day is a, is a day of growth there are fabulous apps today at the at the uh, Play Store on on I, uh, on uh, on the Google Sphere and in iTunes uh, download these Sephira, the, these uh, these Omer counters. They also have a lot of the Chabad one has has a lot of tidbits every single day and of understanding what the Sephira means and in mystical terms. Just great stuff to to connect. Use this time to connect and and get ready also consciously for Yom Hazikaron 
and and Yom Atzmaut, Israel Independence Day, and Jerusalem Day. Like, start to, to get into it. I could tell you my antennae are like totally vibrating. I can see it. Yeah, it's like it's like this is a great, great season, and I want everybody to to connect as much as possible. That's what the show is all about. It's all about connection. Rabbi Mike Four, I want to thank you so much for taking so much uh, time and thought to, to be with me on the show. So God bless you. It's always a pleasure, and God bless you too. All right, folks, stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected. Oh, thanks to uh, Moshe Herman, Ben Bresky, and our good friend Tabitha for for producing the show, uh, for making it happen. Thank you, all of you out there. For all that you do, please connect on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, if you're so uh, desirous of, uh, of uh, being, you know, a professional. being a professional. <laughs> exactly. If you, need it, if you need it to be couched in those terms, if that's where you're comfortable, that's fine as well. In any case, just connect. That's what it's all about. And of course, uh, connect to the God of Israel, who's always broadcasting from the land of Israel and really all over the world, all over the universe, which is his. Rabbi Mike, thanks again. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. All right, folks. Stay strong. Stay connected. Stay tuned. And Shalom. The best place to stay in Jerusalem is at Windows of Jerusalem Vacation Apartments. Check out their website, www.windowsofjerusalem.com. They've got beautiful one, two, three, four bedroom apartments in the best location in the city center. The view, the location, plus the wonderful staff will truly make you feel at home in Jerusalem. Book your stay now at windowsofjerusalem.com. When I was growing up, I'd read the books in the second half of the Old Testament. And sometimes I would get a little bit lost in all those prophecies of Jeremiah, Isaiah, and so on. That all changed the day I stepped foot in the land of Israel. As I harvested grapes and olives and more on the mountains of Samaria, the words of the prophets came to life right before my very eyes. Today you could be a part of this phenomenon too. I am Caleb Waller, and I'm inviting you to step into the pages of prophecy by joining us in Israel. Go to our website, that is hayovel.com, H-A-Y-O-V-E-L.com, to connect to this amazing opportunity.